Welcome to the Grafton Baptist Podcast. For more information about our church, please visit graftonbaptist.com. So let's go to the message of today. And today's topic is one of those topics that is really difficult. Um, I know it's a very sensitive topic. So before we start, before we start dealing with this topic today, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for His guidance uh, today. Our Heavenly Father, thank You because You are mighty. Thank You, Lord, that You are eternal. Lord, thank You that You are so much higher than me. So today I want to ask for Your wisdom. Lord, I want to ask for Your power. I want to ask for Your guidance as we open Your Word. Help us to understand that this issue, that this topic is extremely relevant today and that you have a plan for marriage, that you have a perfect plan for our lives, Lord. Help us to obey, to understand that you want what is best for us, Lord, as a loving Father. Lord, bless your word, not my words, but your word, Lord. And I pray this in your name, amen. If you have your Bibles, open them to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5. And we have been going through Matthew for a while now. And, and uh, we, we learn a little bit about anger. <laughs> and then uh, we learn about adultery as well. The last, last time we talked about Matthew. Uh, and now we pro- progress to divorce. Divorce. And it's important that you remember that Jesus is our king that he is our priest, that he is the lawgiver. And he wasn't here to uh, change anything in the law, but give its true meaning, to go back to the spirit of the law. And we're here again, again, Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 and 32. And it's just a couple verses, but there's a lot to unpack there. So let us begin. I want to start by acknowledging that this is a very sensitive topic. That if you're going through it right now, or if you, if you have gone through the process of divorce, I am very sorry. I am very sorry that this is happening to you. There is healing in the Lord, and I pray that you might find that healing. I also know that there are those that might not be married. And I want you to know that the Lord has a purpose for you. Unlike the thought at the time uh, by the Jewish elite, by the Jewish culture, that uh, for, me, for a man not to be married by their early 20s, it was, it was something really unthinkable. Today we understand in the New Testament that you can find joy in the Lord even if you're not married, if you're single. There's a special calling for you if you're single. You can find joy and comfort in knowing that the Lord loves you and that He is able to fulfill all of your needs. You have a purpose in His sight. So divorce. Divorce is a prevalent problem in our world. Uh, the numbers of divorce in this country, as well as all around the world, are at an all-time high. I found this very interesting blog from a, from a divorce, uh, from, a, from a law firm in Winnipeg. And, and uh, it lists the seven top reasons for divorce in Canada. The number one reason is money. Money. Uh, statistics show that a lack of meeting needs leads to a huge dispute over money. So if not solved within time, it eventually results in arguing and separate, separating couples. Money is the number one reason. Cheating. 
right after money is cheating, having an affair at work or the gym or anywhere is one of the biggest causes of divorce in Canada. Constant fighting. <laughs> constant fighting is the third one. No matter how you love a person, if you constantly find yourself fighting over petty, petty, petty matters, sorry, there's a red signal. This is what the blog says about your relationship. Yes, it's true. If you're fighting all the time, that's a red light that something is wrong. Intimacy, physical and emotional connection. We're not able to connect with one another in this day and age. So we have intimacy problems. Abusive behavior. Uh, and, and this is, this is uh, true in every culture and in every place in the world. Abusive behavior by men and women breaks marriages. Drug addiction in Canada is one of the main issues for marriage. And early pregnancy. Early pregnancy in marriage also breaks couples. So what percentage of couples in Canada get divorced? It is changing every year. But the trend doesn't seem to go down. It keeps going up. In recent statistics, researchers have estimated that around 40 to 50% of all first marriages are likely to end in divorce. And if you go to a second marriage, the rates go even higher. After your first marriage, there's a 60 to 65% chance that you'll end up divorced again. So let us go to our text in Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. Matthew 5, verse 31. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. To understand divorce, we need to understand first the purpose of marriage. What is marriage? When the Lord created everything in the beginning in Genesis, everything he made was good until we get to Genesis chapter 2. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2 verse 18. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 to 25. Then the Lord said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground... The Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he could call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all livestock and the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But, but for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh and the rib that the Lord had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man and the man said this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man therefore a man shall live his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Marriage is one man and one woman for life. Regardless of what the word says, what the world says, there's a plan that God had designed. You know, one of the worst things that you can do to a human being is put them by themselves. In prison, they use this device 
for the worst of the worst. It destroys them. Our Creator knew that. He knew that we needed help. He knew that we needed company. So He created a beautiful woman. And just like I was speechless when I saw my wife walking down the aisle, so Adam was obviously thrilled to see, for the first time ever, his better half. <laughs> and he comes up with this beautiful speech. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. The family unit is under attack and has been for a long time because it is the first institution that the Lord created on earth. It is the proper place for sex. So it is targeted. It is the ideal for marriage. So it is hated by the world. It is the place where many of our issues of today, many of the issues of this world must be dealt but we chip in its importance. We make fun of it. We make jokes about our wives and how much of a burden they are. We compare our husbands with children and complain how much of a burden they are to live with. We talk about our children as if their existence is impeding our happiness. We do this as a joke. But we have to remember that our words have weight. We have to understand that marriage is an institution of God and we ought to treat it that way. It is not a light matter to make fun of your husband or your wife, to treat your children as if they are an impediment to your happiness. Marriage is supposed to be a complement for each other in the marriage, to fulfill each other, to love each other and to reveal or get to know each other fully. It is a place to grow. It is a place to put children first as it should be. It is a place where reasonable expectations should be met. You know, there's the idea that when you get married, you should love your wife in a selfless way. And that's true. It is true. You ought to love your wife and your husband in a selfless way. But let me tell you something. <laughs> when I got married, I knew and I loved my wife and I knew that I wanted to make her happy. But I had also some expectations from her. And that's okay. And that's correct. You know in your heart that you expect something in return. Yes, marriage is a place for selfless actions. And you should do them. You should strive to be selfless in marriage. But marriage is also complementing each other. It's not a thing of just a single person. It is a partnership. There is responsibility that you carry when you marry someone. For example, there is the expectation of sexual purity within marriage. You know, when I got married to my wife, I was expecting to be the only one in her life. And I don't think that this is uh, wrong. I actually think that it's extremely healthy. I can only imagine the effects the terrible effects that an affair would have in my family, in my wife, and in my daughters. So it is not wrong to place and maintain expectations in marriage. It is healthy to do so. So in a healthy marriage, where there is fear of the Lord, 
many of the issues of this day should be solved right there. I have a feeling that just like the people in Jesus' time, we're falling prey to looking at the issues at a surface level. You know, we get outraged all the time by the fruit of the tree. And in our own strength, we try to legislate righteousness with two others. When the issues should be dealt with at a root level within me. Many of these issues find a root in broken marriages. Or a twisting of what marriage is. Or a complete dismissal of marriage. So let us go to our text. Matthew 5, 31. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. What Jesus was doing here, he was challenging the thought of the rabbis at the time. They distorted what the Old Testament said. The original meaning of the text, the original commandment found in the Old Testament was greatly multiplied greatly multiply the number of offenses or things that were valid to have a divorce. So if you have your Bibles there, let's go and see the original passage. Deuteronomy chapter 24 verse 1. When a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes, because he, was, he has found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts her in her hand and sends her out of his house. And she departs out of his house. That was the idea. That was the idea. If there was some indecency in her, then write her a certificate of divorce. And put her in her, in her hand and send her out of the house. That was the, that was the commandment. But there were two schools of thought at the time by two rabbis. The first and the most strict one was by Rabbi Shammai. And he held that the uncleanness that is meant in this passage only meant something regarding sexual impurity. But there was also another rabbi, Hillel. And he held, on the other hand, that anything that made the company of the wife distasteful was sufficient ground to send her away, to divorce her. Now the question is, which one do you think prevailed? <laughs> this was taken from a website, from a synagogue in Calgary, in, here in Canada. But you can find all of this information in the Talmud, in the, in the Jewish tradition. And it says this, under Jewish law, a man can divorce a woman for any reason or no reason. The Talmud says that a man can divorce a woman because she spoiled his dinner, because she speaks ill of her in-laws, or simply because he finds another woman more attractive. And the woman's consent to divorce is not required. In fact, Jewish law requires divorce in some circumstances. When the wife commits a sexual transgression, a man must divorce her, even if he is inclined to forgive her. This does not mean that Judaism takes divorce lightly. <laughs> Many aspects of Jewish law discourage divorce. The procedural details involved in arranging a divorce are complex. 
Well, to me, it seems that it's actually pretty easy to divorce your wife under the Jewish tradition. Now remember, the Bible is a mirror. When I look at these verses, I tend to want to justify myself and say, look how good I am. I'm not like them. But the Bible is a mirror. So before I start bashing on the poor Jewish people that have suffered enough, let us look at the issue of marriage and what causes a strife and conflict in your life and potential divorce. Many of the problems that we have as married couples are extremely petty. So petty that in fact, I would be extremely embarrassed to share with you the arguments that I have with my wife. And I think it'll be the, it would be the same for you. It'll be true. The Jewish problem was a wrong view of women and a high view of marriage. There were views that kind of worked together. And as a result, marriage was completely distorted. It was something similar to what we have today. Marriage as an institution was made weak. It was used for my advantage and pleasure until all of my appetites are met. And if they're not fulfilled in my own way, then it's time to move on. Isn't that what we have today in this world? Isn't that the same philosophy that we have in this world? If things are not going my way, if my wife doesn't look the same way that she did 10 years ago, then I can divorce. So what does the Lord say? Verse 32 of Matthew chapter 5. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. The reality is that the Lord is placing responsibility on men for marriage. And taking away all the blame, all of those things. You know, the, because she spoiled his dinner or because she speaks ills of her in-laws or simply because she finds another woman more attractive. He, the Lord Jesus Christ was taking all the way, blame away from women and placing the proper responsibility as the head of the house to the men. Women are precious to our Lord Jesus Christ. Women loved our Lord Jesus because he loved them in a pure way. Women that were rejected by all were loved by Jesus. So let us understand that God is not an oppressor of women. He loves them deeply. So can a marriage be broken? Yes. Yes. No, we live in a sinful world and things happen. But it is no, it is not the ideal by any means. Jesus said that divorce and remarriage in case of sexual immorality or, por or pornea, which is the, the root of the world, uh, word by which we get the word pornography. Immorality, distortion of what sexuality is. It does not mean that it's during the engagement period. There's really no evidence for that. But it only means sexual immorality of any kind. 
So we have to remember that Jesus came to this world not to uh, dismiss the law, but to fulfill it. And he insisted and he said the same that the Old Testament said. That sexual immorality is legitimate grounds for divorce. People who divorce for reasons that are really petty and remarry are guilty of adultery. Since the original marriage covenant has not been dissolved in the eyes of God. When a man divorces a woman... He causes her to commit adultery. And I find that fascinating in the text. He makes her commit adultery. Even before the act happens. How can this be? How can this be? And how do I know this? Look at the, look at the text. It says, uh, but I say unto you that everyone, everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. Everyone that divorces makes her commit adultery. How? It is a sin against the institution of marriage, against family, to divorce your wife. And therefore, you're causing her to sin. In the same way, if a man marries a divorced woman, he's committing adultery or sinning against his original covenant. Men, we need to take responsibility for our marriages. Women, you also need to take responsibility for your marriage. If there are areas that need some improvement, then we ought to work on them. If there are things that you need to talk about, then talk about them. And if you need help, then ask for help. As I say almost every Sunday, this place is a hospital. Enough is enough. You know, just pretending that there's no sin, that we lack nothing, that we're perfect, is getting us nowhere. I think that it's time to recognize that we need of Him. You're, met, you're missing the best from God if your marriage is not right. If you're being unfaithful, you're missing the best from God. If you're constantly arguing, you're missing the best from God. If you're making your spouse miserable on purpose, you're missing the best from God. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. You know, I understand that situations can get really messy. And sin really complicates things, doesn't it? There's a point where things are so bad that there is no right move. Everywhere you go is wrong. Seek counsel. Talk to mature believers. Talk to your pastor, to your leaders, to people that you respect, to people that you know fear the Lord. If you're suffering abuse of any kind, I recommend that you stay away from the person for your own health. And your personal integrity. Things get messy. And if you have any questions regarding your specific situation, seek help. Marriage was instituted by God. And He sets the rules. He's telling us once more what I say unto you as our priest. 
God intended marriage to be a covenant between a man and a woman. Before God, before family, before friends, before the government, before the church. So it is not a light matter. It is a covenant. If you're dealing with issues, seek help. There is victory in Christ. We have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Let us deal with the matters of the heart. Let us concentrate our attention on these issues. How many of you, after spending some time at the pool or the ocean, you throw a towel into the pool, hoping that the pool will get dry, and you along with the pool? Then why do we try to change the world? For dealing with the matter of our hearts. It begins at home. It begins with you. This world needs of Jesus. This world needs his healing power. His transforming power. This world needs witnesses. Different from the world. People that don't, are not looking for the exception clause. But rather trying to be the exception in marriage. We are not called to transform this world or to move this world according to my agenda or idea of what the world should be. But we are called to be transform ourselves, my heart, at a heart level so that the world might see the light of Christ reflected on us. Because it is his light, it is his beauty, it is him that changes hearts, not you, it is him. I leave you with this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wives loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. This world is messy, but there is healing power in the Lord. This world is twisting the institution of marriage, but there is guidance in Scripture. This world leans towards divorce, but we ought to, as Christians, lean in the Word of God and have strong marriages that bring glory to God. There is where the issues should be dealt with. There is the matter, the heart of the issue in our own families, in our own homes. I pray that the Lord might use this message and be of benefit to you. Let us close with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this time. Lord, thank you for your word. That is alive, that is true, that is perfect, that is a guide to my life. Lord, I know that in a church this size, there's couples that are struggling in their marriage. 
Maybe couples that we think are doing great. Maybe couples that uh, from the outside look that they're perfectly fine. Lord, that this message, that your word might change their hearts, Lord. Help us to take our pride away and seek help because we need of you, Lord. Lord, thank you that you love us. Thank you, Lord, for making women. Thank you, Lord, for my wife and how she compliments me and how I learn of your love through her. Bless the rest of this day. In Jesus' name.